Would you open God's precious holy word to Ephesians 2? And we'll be looking at verses 14 through 22, body and temple. Basically, it is part of the fallen nature, especially, to live in disunity with other people because we're selfish. The sin of pride that automatically is on display, most especially with those who are unbelievers, not unified. There were several uh, special cases of disunity in the time of the church and to some degree even extending into the present era. Among those were the division between male and female, husband and wife, uh, Greek and barbarian, educated, uneducated, bond slave and master. The worst one, the greatest disunity was between Jew and Gentile, the Jew and the rest of the world. Great deal of hatred and enmity there. And yet Christ comes to bring us together in Christ. Remember this phrase has dominated what we've studied so far in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Ephesians 1 through th- through 3, 1 through 3, teach us who we are positionally. And who we are positionally, as you will remember, at the outset of the, of, of the letter to the Ephesians, to the saints, tells us that this position is designed before the foundation of the world. So positionally, this position is an eternal position. It makes its way into time and works its, God works it out through time. But we are positionally who we are in Christ from before the foundation of the world. We're not, you look at it, we're not required to do anything. There is no action or behavior. God takes care of it. So, We learn in chapters 1, 2, and 3 here who we are in Christ. We are positioned in Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, while the first three chapters are positional, the last three chapters are practical. Okay, we are positioned in Christ. Now what do we do? Position. I watched the Iron Bowl yesterday. There were two teams against each other and there were 11 on each side of the ball, the line of scrimmage. And everyone had a position. He didn't know what to do until he knew his position. 
Once he understood his position, he could function practically and hopefully effectively. So we are positioned in the first three chapters. And then that position becomes practical. And who we are in Christ is worked out in our lives. There are practical uh, instructions, most especially about husbands and wives on toward the end of it. Uh, the, the warfare, we're going to face a spiritual warfare. How do we do this? So those are the practical things. There are many others. But for the first three chapters, it's, a, it's positional. We have to keep that in the backs of our minds when, uh, when we study the issues of these chapters because we, we, can't let them, we can't let them overwhelm us because they're not overwhelming. We just take them one at a time and we begin to see who we are and then later how we are, how we are to do things. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 22. I want us to extract several thoughts here from the screen that we're going to look at. Thought number one, for he is our peace. Now, if we are in Christ... Keep in the back of your mind as well that this is speaking mainly of the barrier that is between the Jew and the Gentile. We just saw in the previous three verses what a pathetic state Gentiles are in. But even so, that is attended to and taken care of in Christ. For he is our peace. There is no more uh, Jewish distinction. There aren't any uniquenesses among believers because we are all in Christ. And if we are in Christ, Paul puts it this way. I was crucified with Christ. And I live, but it's not me who lives. It is Christ who lives in me. So those of us who are in Christ have died to self. Now, while the old green monster of selfishness may raise its head from time to time in our lives, it doesn't dominate us as it did in our fallen state before we were saved. Because just to come to Christ is an, is an act of self-denial. We are, we are admitting sin. We're admitting, admitting worthlessness and uselessness and an inability to make it to heaven. We can't do it. So we have to deny ourselves and come to Christ. And Christ is our peace. We're in Christ and so these divisions and these barriers are torn down, being in Christ. Thought number two, having made both one, we are the body of Christ. 
It's distressing to me how, especially in contemporary times, the body of people seek to, uh, how shall I say this? They seek to compartmentalize the body of Christ. For example, God, God, there, there is no uh, reference to denominations in uh, the Bible. There, there are no references to um, this kind of thing in Christ or this kind of church in Christ. It's not there. That's foreign to the scripture. And yet there are ministries, well, even there, there are ministries who, who seek out certain groups in the world. And when those groups come together, they are, they are compartmentalized. They are, they are, they're in a cocoon to themselves even, and so often they don't seek the fellowship that is supposed to be sought among Christians. We have a, for example, for years and years and years, I, 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 I took my first karate lesson when I was 15. That was in 1966. It was in 1981. I lived kind of a separate life because <laughs> Well, I won't go there. But uh, I happily discovered in a magazine, a martial arts magazine, that there were a group of Christian black belts who met two or three times a year in clinics and seminars. And I thought, ah, that's great. But what has developed from that, and I don't participate in that part of it anymore really, because... What comes out of that are people who are only turned inward and they have compartmentalized themselves away from everybody else. You see what I'm saying? So you have groups who I suppose mean well to begin with, but they become so focused on how they are different within the body of Christ that sometimes, many times, they fail to embrace the greater and wonderful, more greater unity that is in Christ. We are all in Christ. So Shiloh Church, for example, we don't just go for this group or that group or another group. We are the church and we go for everybody because there are no barriers or divisions. There is no educated or uneducated. There is no Jew nor Gentile. There is no male nor female. We reach out with the gospel to everyone and they are freely invited to be obedient to the gospel of Christ. And when they are obedient to the gospel of Christ, they are freely welcome to become part of who we are in Christ. 
Because we are a local body of believers, but we understand that we are in Christ. And we have to be careful when we make these distinctions. Just trying to reach this group or just trying to reach that group. That can start off well, but it can become an encumbrance even to the point of disobedience regarding the overall unity. Christ in himself has made both one. Now we're talking about the Jew and the Gentile. There, there is no greater division among mankind when it comes to the people of God. And having broken down the barrier of the fence, the hostility in his Flesh. Now, the barrier was the wall of partition in the temple. In the temple, there was the court of the Gentiles. There was a marble wall that divided the court of the Gentiles from the court of Israel. Then, of course, there, were, there was the, the court of the men, the court of the women, and then there was the court, and beyond that, the court of the priesthood. Beyond that, the holy place, and beyond that, the holy of holies. And so way out there in the outer portion was the court of the Gentiles. And Christ, when he cleansed the temple, reminded Israel that this was supposed to be a place of evangelism and prayer and worship. And they had made it into a den of thieves. The world was invited to come and worship God. Where Israel would evangelize and in, in that day they would become proselytes of the temple. They would, they, would, they would be as close to God as they could be in the time of the temple. But they had built this marble wall and there was an inscription. Josephus talks about the inscription that was on that marble wall and it warned Gentiles not to go past that barrier because if they did, they would be killed and their blood would be on their own hands. So this was this way out from the Holy of Holies. Christ in himself broke that down. You remember the veil of the temple was torn when Christ died. This hostility between Israel and Gentiles, Christ took within himself so here's what he did. He took that barrier within himself, broke it apart, and here's thought number four. Having annulled the law of commandments in ordinances, what separated the Jew from the Gentile was the, The, the law that had to do, not the moral code, not the moral law, but that had to do with how people dressed and what they ate, how, how, they, were, how they were to wear their clothing and so forth. The, the law of ordinances on feasts and festivals and fasts and holy days and holidays and special days all of that Christ annulled in himself. He did away with all that. So all of the things of which the Jews were proud and smugly used as an excuse to maintain separation 
between themselves and Gentiles. Christ did away with that. So here's a message to the Jew. Your, your uniqueness in this present day doesn't exist anymore. They're meaningless. All of those things are fulfilled in Christ. Their only usefulness was to point to Christ, to lead people to Christ. Everything in the Old Testament was leading us to that lonely, sublime figure who finally was killed on the cross. So all of these other things are done away with. He annulled them. He destroyed them. He abolished them. So that in himself, thought number five, so that in himself he might create the two into one new man making peace. Now, the word new, kanon, two words for, for new, reference to new, uh, neos, which is, which is a chronological term. Oh, I have a new pair of shoes. Nobody's worn them. They're mine. They're new. Chronologically, they're new. But then there's another word, and this is the one that's used here. The root is kanos. Here, here the form is kanon. And it means there's never been one of these before. This is new in its, in its quality, in the fact that it's prototype. The church never existed before. Christ is the foundation of the church, 1 Corinthians 3. No other foundation can be laid. Christ in himself establishes the church. And this new body, this new man is something that has never existed before. It was a mystery until God, by his purposes, revealed it through the church, through the writings of the apostles and the teaching and the proclamation of the apostles. So there's created in Christ one new man and only one. There's not the church of this and there's not the church of that and there's not the church of this and there's not the church of that. There is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Christ did. It had never existed before. It is new in the sense that it is prototypical and it is this new man that brings us all together, especially Jew and Gentile. We're no different. We're all part of the same new thing, the church. Now the church starts with Jewish believers. But it was quickly determined in the new church that Gentiles didn't have to become Jews to be Christians. Something that the Jews had a hard time with, had a difficult time with in, uh, in the New Testament. But we're taught here by the apostle that in Christ we're all one and therefore creating the two into one new man makes peace. Now this peace, of course, is speaking of those of us who are in the body of Christ, thought number six. And he might reconcile both in one body to God through the cross, having slain by it, that is by his crucifixion, the hostility, the wrath, the enmity. So everybody outside of the church, every unbeliever 
is living as a child of wrath. Matter of fact, we saw that earlier in this part of Ephesians. Children of wrath. But something has happened. Christ died on the cross. Within himself, he took the wrath and the hostility. The only one who could do that, blessed, precious, virgin-born, holy one of Israel, Jesus the Christ, the only begotten Son of God, took it into himself. And there, through the cross, he took the wrath and he reconciled us in one body to God. You can't come to God various ways. There's only one way. We saw that when we studied Galatians. Christ made it so by his death, his crucifixion on the cross. And so, therefore, he killed it in, the, in its hostility, in its enmity, in its wrath. So now we're to be at peace with one another in Christ. And we're to understand that the wrath of God does not abide on us, but we are all reconciled in one body to God because of what Christ did on the cross. He has brought us all together. Now we're still speaking of our position in Christ. Sin divides people. And so when there's disunity, even within the body of Christ these days, and there is the disunity is because of sin. And it is because of selfishness. We are taught in the Bible that we are to die to ourselves. You know, what, what, we, what we want doesn't, doesn't matter. We're to seek the will of God in all things. But positionally, I understand that practically we still struggle with disunity. Same issues they struggled with just leading into the time of the church. Um, the, the division between men and women, between husbands and wives, between those, well, I guess in modern vernacular, it would be those who are the employers and those who are the executives, um, the educated, the uneducated, the Jew and the Gentile. We still struggle to some degree with these differences, but in Christ, we have died to ourselves and positionally we are at peace with each other and in that peace reconciled in one body to God because Christ took all of that upon himself and put it away. He's our savior. A lot of divisions and they never seem to stop. Because of the pride of the world and the arrogance of man and the selfishness of individuals. Who in so many cases cannot, cannot submit themselves and be submissive and humble. Chief characteristics of those who are in Christ. Because Christ in himself has put all of that away. And positionally, this is how we are seen by God as this body of Christ, this new man, the church. No divisions. 
in the church, positionally, in the sight of God. Now, thought number seven. And having come, he proclaimed, he evangelized, he proclaimed the good news. Read the early parts of each, well, read all of the Gospels all the way through. Christ is declaring peace. Peace. You come to Christ, there is no more enmity between God and man. He declares peace. This is the good news. It is the gospel of peace. We're entering into the Christmas season. Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill to men. That was the proclamation of the angels. Uh, Luke 10. The 70 are sent out. And they're sent out with a gospel of peace. Peace be to you. That was their address to the people. Acts chapter 10. The church went forth and preached the gospel of peace in Jesus Christ. Peace. That we would have peace. First of all, peace with God and then peace with each other. That was the good news. So having come, he proclaimed the good news. And here it is. Peace to you. Those who are far off, the Gentiles. And peace to those who are near, the Jews. We all have the same peace. There is no difference with regard to who we are positioned before God in Christ. Thought number nine, for through him, we both have the access in one spirit to the Father. Now in that one verse, we see the work of the triune God together giving access to those of us in Christ. We should never fear to stand in the presence of Christ, to come before Christ. We should never be afraid of God in that sense. We are positioned in Christ. We have this free access and it is given to us To the Father, by the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we can come asking forgiveness. We can come asking for needs. We can come in praise and glory. 1 John 1, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are not to be afraid. We are granted access because we are in Christ. We're not to be afraid. Therefore, it's it's speaking of the temple having access to God. Gentiles, that wall of partition has been destroyed. Everybody can come to God. The veil of the temple has been destroyed. The pathway to the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. It has been cleared so that those who are in Christ, because he took all this bad stuff upon himself in the crucifixion, the way, the access to the Father, to the great throne of everything is yours. You have access. You are granted access through Christ 
in the spirit. We have access. So we have peace. We have reconciliation. We have access. This is the good news. God has come to man. And peace with God has been proclaimed because of Christ and because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Thought number 10. Now this goes back to what was said in verses um, 11 and 12. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Now all this, remember verses 11 through 22 are from the Gentile perspective. Okay? So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens of the saints. So we have citizenship in the kingdom and of the household of God. And we are in the family of God. Citizens and family. That's who we are. All of that other stuff, that bad stuff that was in verses 11 and 12. You're, you're without God in the cosmos. You're without Christ. You're not in the kingdom. You're strangers to the covenants. You don't have a covenant. You don't have a promise because you're Gentiles. But in Christ, he did all, out away with all of that. No longer strangers or aliens, but fellow citizens. Members of the family, thought number 11. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The temple as the Jews understood the temple doesn't exist anymore. But the temple, which is the church, which is the people of God, is being built. Now here, having been Built. Okay, that's what's called in the, it's participle, it's in the aorist. It's also in the passive. Here's what that means. That means that the apostles are not the foundation. Christ is the foundation. The work of the apostles and the prophets, that's what's, that's what's the foundation the foundation is Christ, 1 Corinthians 3. The prophets and the apostles have taught and have preached and have proclaimed Christ in both Testaments. That's what it says. So this is their proclamation. And it's being built, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Cornerstone, 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 cornerstone. Foundation, foundation is first. Cornerstone. Then the building is being built because it says, well, let me go into thought number 12. In whom the whole building being fitted together is increasing into a temple. Holy in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God in the spirit. So the temple of God exists today, but it exists in the believers in the church and people are being saved. Therefore the temple is increasing. 
And we're being built together with them and God inhabits his people. God inhabits this temple just like he inhabited the temple of Jerusalem way back in the Old Testament. I hope that you can understand how magnanimous this thought is. The very life of God, the eternal God, is in us. How long will God live? God will never cease to exist. And we are the habitation of God is in us. He's living in us in the spirit. We are the temple today. This is where God is found today. He's found in this way. He's found in us being built together. All of us. Those who are living, those who have gone on and those who are coming into Christ as long as we're in these times of the Gentiles, those who come to Christ, our job as the very life of God, the presence of God in this world to proclaim this peace and this wonderful life in Christ, knowing that together we come together, we are positioned positionally, God has inhabited us. In the spirit. So this is how we are positioned today. And this is a very powerful thing. The church so often is intimidated and made to be afraid. But we should understand. That as long as we're in this world. The world has some degree of stability. It is only when. The church is removed from the world that the world will fall apart. We're the light and the salt. We show people the way and we call them out from the darkness therein. And we're the preservative of life because God has deposited all this within us. We have been positioned as the church, this new man, but we are also positioned as the temple of God. This is who we are. This is, this is how we function. The very life, the very presence of God is in his church by the spirit. And it's increasing into a temple, holy in the Lord, being built together. There is always a message. There are always people who need to hear there are always people who will respond until we are taken out of the way. And then tribulation comes upon the world. This is who we are positionally. We're the body of Christ. We're this new man. Never been before. There's never been a church before. Where all of everybody, whoever they are, can come in Christ and be positioned as this body of Christ, this new man, and positioned as the very temple of God himself. Well, we're going to have our Lord's Supper. Does anybody need the, the cup that doesn't have it? We'll, we'll have some people to bring you one.